Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for the privilege to be here today in this place with Jaco and Catherine and with the beloved brothers and sisters, oh Lord, because you have a plan and a destiny. And Lord, sometimes we just have meetings because we're used to it and we just want something. But Lord, these meetings are important when you breathe into us and when your living breath is coming to give us life within us. And I just thank you, Lord, that we can live in this time and in this season. We don't take it for granted. We know that every one of us are born for purpose and born for destiny. And I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to quicken our mortal bodies and that you're going to equip us and strengthen us to run the race and to be more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. And I just ask you, Lord, that you help us to be courageous and not to be cowards, but to be courageous to just run our race and to move for what you have in our life. So, Lord, I just ask you for the power of your spirit to be manifested. Lord, we need your supernatural power. It's not to might and it's not to power, but it's to your spirit, which is manifesting who you are and what you are. And I just ask you, Lord, to bless your word now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I want to just, I'm going to read a few scriptures, but I'm going to read Acts chapter 2, something you know very well and you're familiar with it. It says, when the day of Pentecost has come, they were all together in one place. And certainly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared in them tongues of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men of every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in their own language. Now what I want to speak on today is I'm going to speak a little bit about the Spirit I'm going to speak tomorrow on the fire, and then I'm going to speak on the voice or the language. Now, I do believe in this day that God is going to move in our life and through our life supernatural. Naturally, many times when we go to churches, you can see that we are creating environment a lifestyle. And you know, sometimes I think as I go from church to church, it's so easy to create a beaver mentality. You know what a beaver is? A beaver takes a flow and makes a lake. And you see, many of us, we actually, when the flow of the Spirit comes, many churches and many moves create out of that flow a lake. And when you create a lake, you create a lifestyle style which you make it usable for your own living. Now I realize that the charismatic move and the revelation which God has given us has made a lifestyle for us. I mean, we're living a life when people think we're rich old retirees moving from one place to another and wherever I go, when I tell them it's so natural to me. I mean, one day, months I'm in Africa, the next month we're in Germany, the next month we're in Denmark. These people scratch their head and they say, well, we want to do that too when 
and we're old travel like you because they think we're some rich old folks who have saved a lot of money so we can travel around the world to do what we do. And we smile because it's so natural for us because what we do has nothing to do with money, has nothing to do with a lifestyle. It's a life. Now, that life, the lifestyle, has not, is not a life. A life is a flow. A life has to be a flow. Out of your innermost being comes a flow of river water. Now you can see what happens. You can go to church and church every Sunday, every Wednesday. You can go to all these things and it becomes a lifestyle. But it's not a flow. Now when you think of a flow, we just came from Cape Town and they're actually stealing water there. The water crisis is very severe. We were there, you had to go, and you have to turn off the shower, you shower quickly, you put the bucket underneath, then you take the water you catch, and you put it in the tank of the toilet, the dishwater, they say, if they put it into the flowers, because it's so severe that they're afraid that they're going to turn off the taps. And imagine if that flow is stifled. What crashes is one of the great cities of South Africa, to, of the world. When that flow is stifled, what disaster is going to happen? Now, what happens in the water crisis that people are buying big tanks and they are filling these tanks, they go to Woolworths and they buy huge shopping carts. We watched it, eating breakfast. 10 gallons of water was filled with it. And they saved the water because that water becomes more precious than gasoline or oil in a crisis and in a drought of their life. And you know, they're actually coming that you can't hardly buy any water tanks anymore. You have to order it for weeks to get these water tanks to fill because people are very nervous. They don't know what happens if God doesn't do a miracle in their life. And people are starting to climb over fences and breaking the fences to steal just plain water because they don't want to buy it. And you know, you can realize what happens when the flow stops. It changes your lifestyle. And it changes the way you experience abundance. And you know, many of us, we know how to reach into the wealth of God, but we don't know how to create a flow because our lifestyle is more important than the flow which God wants to do in our life. Now, I, I realize when the Holy Spirit comes in your life, the Holy Spirit has a character. The Holy Spirit is the Trinity of the Lord, and He has a character. He has a personality. He is God, and He is revealing Himself, what and who Jesus is, and what Jesus is doing in our life, through our life, and for our life. Now, it speaks about, it says in Matthew's tree, they, they talk about it. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than uh, he, he is. He, he, I'm not even fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with what? With spirit 
and with fire. Now, when you realize to baptize means you know how to baptize. You baptize people when they repent, they come to church. We all of us need to be baptized in water, washed away our sins and washed away our old life. But to be baptized actually means to dip a thing to, uh, into an element to put liquid over you or on you. Now when the Holy Spirit, he baptizes you, it's not like water, but it's a fire or it's a wind blowing up on you. Now when you think about the Spirit, the Spirit speaks about wind. Now the Lord, many times in the prophets, he uses the wind, it says in Psalm 104, he makes winds his messenger and flames his fire and flames of fire his servants. Now, when you think of wind, to compare the Spirit of God, the wind means to, to breathe, uh, to be uncontrollable in impulse, a prophetic spirit imparting war-like energy, endowing, endowing man with various gifts and energy of life. So when the Holy Spirit comes, it's not like he just gives you a little tongue. He is moving the wind. When this wind has one thing in the Bible, to separate. Separate the shaft from the wheat. Now today many of us don't know that separation. And when the wind of the Spirit doesn't blow in your life, you don't know what really is valuable eternally. That many times these things in our life totally mixed and mussed. And we don't know, I don't know what's right and wrong. Because how do you really know what's right and wrong when your consciousness and who you are has been taught to education, taught to intellect, taught to knowledge? How do you know what's right and wrong in God's eyes? What is really God's will and what's really God's purpose in your life so that he can move in the way he needs to move in your life. Now, I realize when the spirit of the Lord comes, it's a wind, it's a blowing, it's an energy to move not only upon you, but in you. Now, I know Crystal and I, have been, I've been just saved, two, I don't know if I told you this here, but saved three days. And we hear that in that little Baptist Pentecostal church, we didn't even know what Pentecostal was. We didn't know anything. So we went there, and they said, who wants the Holy Spirit? Now they told us about that the Spirit praying in that Pentecostal church for the Holy Ghost. So we're both laughing. We don't know what the Holy Ghost means. Thinking of somebody having a sheet and playing a ghost. So we both sitting in front, coming in, not holy, very worldly. Never been in church, at least Crystal been a, a Christian. But I was turning from God for many years in my young life. And, and so we come, and she comes, and they prayed for me, and I got saved. And Crystal says, they're going to pray there for the Holy Ghost. And we said, what is it? So we come in there, sit in the front row. Pastor says an evangelist from America there. Said, who wants the Holy Ghost? I knock Crystal, she knocks me. Said, I don't know what that is, but minus well have it, it's from God. We raise our hand. <laughs> we want the Holy Ghost. Don't have no idea. As we raise our hand, now we didn't look holy. 
We didn't look, we went a safe three days, me. So I raised my hand, I want the Holy Ghost. I don't know if it's of God, I want it. So he comes, gives a teaching on the Holy Ghost. How the Holy Ghost is going to abide in you. How he's going to use your life. How he's going to move in your life. How you're going to natural life is going to become supernatural. Now I tell you this. When you walk in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Ghost saturates you, the supernatural becomes natural. And you see, many of us, we look for the supernatural, but the supernatural is natural for one who walks in the Spirit and moves in the power because it's a supernatural experience, and it cannot be natural. Now, some of us, we love the Lord, but if we don't walk in power, we walk in weakness. Now, power has nothing to do with religion. Power does not come you desire it. Power comes what? To yielding to God's purpose and destiny. So as we say we want the Holy Ghost, something happens. I could remember feeling it and I think, why in the world am I going to speak English? They will think I'm bragging. It's in Germany. I, why would I speak English? What's the matter with me? And suddenly I'm shouting. I speak something I don't even know. And we both were so endued with the power. When we finally came to ourselves, the whole church was empty. It was maybe 11 o'clock or 12. And we were shouting from the top of our lungs, walking back home. So I hear my mom and dad talking. They're praying for me for a long time. Talking in in their bedroom. Well... We like Ziggy to be a Christian, but not that wild. We better, we, we better get in her to Baptist church, in our Baptist church. Uh, then maybe she settles down. We don't want her to be fanatic like that. So they say to me, I don't know who Crystal was. Are you going to come with us to Baptist church this morning? Sunday, I got the Holy Ghost Friday. I said, yeah. So I never hear the teaching on, on prophecy. I never, nobody ever prophesied over me. I never been in a spirit-filled church or anything. But I'm sitting there in a Baptist church, no spiritual atmosphere, stiff tradition, and I'm starting to shake like that. And I'm saying to my mom, I never hear the prophecy. I said, I got to prophesy. How did I know that? And how could I say that? And I said, I got to prophesy. The Holy Ghost is upon me. I'm shaking like I'm in a socket. My mom says, not here, Siggy. <laughs> I'm shaking. Now, you know, it's a stiff, short Baptist church. Two songs, three prayers, 20 minutes. And I'm shaking, sitting the whole time, shaking in that Baptist church. She say, amen. And I'm shouting, this say it the Lord. He wants you to turn to him, etc., etc. My mom so shook up, she took me out in the side door. What happened is, my dad got thrown out. He was an elder. They threw him out of the Baptist church because of me. And eventually, they came with us. And I remember a few weeks later, I hear my mom shout in tongues in a bed. Something came upon him. Something came upon him. God turned our family, what? Upside down. Supernatural. 
And you see, there was no point. There was nothing we have done. It was a supernatural experience in our life. I never heard the prophecy, and I start prophesying. I had no teaching. I didn't know, but I had a revelation, an insight, which God wanted to do in me, through me, and for me. Now I've walked this life many years now, 50-some years I'm preaching. 50-some years I experienced the supernatural power in our life. And you know, I want to show you something this night because I want to create a desire not just to be a Christian lifestyle, but to have a life, a life God can use for His purpose and for His destiny to break you out of every limitation, out of every confinement. And you know, God, it costs the price. But I want to show you just in Luke chapter 1. In Luke chapter 1, I want to take just the two lives of, of uh, Mary and Zachariah just to show you something what God wants to do when he encounters good people, not just sinners, good people. He encounters goodness to make it better. And you see, today many of us are good, but goodness is not enough. Because goodness is something you can acquire. It's a fruit of the Spirit. But you can have goodness, but you cannot walk in the fullness of it because you have a certain goodness, but not the power. Now, the power means to enable one, to enable us to live an extraordinary life. Christians, every one of us, we must experience to stay alive an extraordinary life to be breathed upon what God wants to do in our life. Now in Luke chapter 1, it says, Now it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his decision, division, According to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord to bring incense. And the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside at the hour of incense offering. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. And the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink no wine, no liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while he yet is in his mother's wombs. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will be the forerunner. Now let's go to 18. Zechariah said to the angel, How will I know this for certain? For I'm old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you the good news. Behold, you shall be silent 
and unable to speak until the day when these things take place because you did not believe my word which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Now verse 24. After, after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant and she kept herself in seclusion for five months. And this is the way the Lord has dealt with me. In the days when he looked with favor upon me to take away my disgrace for man. Now I want to go there. Now, when you see this Zacharias, now the name Zacharias means, oh God, remember me. Now it's a tradition that you always will take the firstborn son, will carry the name of the father. So the son would have been born if God and the angel would not interfere. He would have been called, oh God, remember me. Now, the name was what? Because Zachariah was a prayer. prayer. He was barren. He was old. And you know, as I studied the background of that, they said they had about 18,000 Levites at that time. 18,000 Levites ministering at the temple. And you can imagine that these Levites couldn't be supported just for the temple because some of them had to go in the garden and they had to make open a little farm and feed sheep because there was such a multitude of servants. Now they said that only once in a lifetime would you be chosen by lot to ministers in a holiest of holies before the golden altar to bring forth that incense and that release that would be released that Israel would see the favor of the Lord. Now here you can see that Zacharias thought as he was barren, unfulfilled, serving God, that God would substitute his desire. Now what I mean, many times when our unfulfilled desires, that many of us have desires who have never been fulfilled, we lay it to rest. But sometimes we think that God will substitute, that he, maybe he did not do this, but look, he did that in my life. He didn't fulfill my dream, but he did that in my life. So we shift the things over and we don't really believe anymore in our destiny and purpose because we can see God's blessings and other things. And our intensity of prayer is watered down because our desires and our longings are, we're getting old and we're getting barren and it's unfulfilled in our life. Now you can look in all of our life. I see many, many people in these days who are 15, 60 years old who have never had their desires fulfilled, who live with these unfulfilled dreams in their life, and they don't know, they don't know how to unlock their destiny and unlock their purpose of their life. They don't know how. Because they don't know, because unbelief has overpowered their faith. And their belief. Now you can see as the angel comes and he speaks to Zachariah and he says that your prayer has been answered. He didn't even know what he prayed for. I mean, he maybe forgot now. He's old, he's barren, 
And you know, barrenness in those days was something which uh, the people thought that you maybe committed sin. It was a judgment of the Lord in your life that you barren. Now, barrenness has something very important to do in your life. And every generation has to go to a certain barrenness in your life. Why? Because if you're not barren, you know what barrenness does? Barrenness in your life creates intensity of desire. Now, if you don't deal with your barrenness in your life, you, what happens when you're barren? It's an intensity. It's a desert. It's a desert experience. And many of us, God is bringing you to a desert experience to awaken what? Your desires. Because the desires are fickle. Because Satan came and he made Eve desire. And Satan came and he wanted to make Jesus desire. And now the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And what does he do? He gives us a prophetic insight in our life. And how are you going to change your desire? If all your life you had desire, you prayed for a car, you prayed for a wife, you prayed for a house, you prayed for your clothes, you prayed for your food, you prayed for a great happy day. How do you desire revelation? How do you desire God's touch? How do we desire these things in our life? We don't. Many of us, we don't have these desires. We love the Lord. We're good. Good people. But if we don't desire these things, we don't know them. They're not awakened. So what does the Spirit do? What did the angel do as he comes? What does he have to do in your life to awaken you? Because he said, do not force my love. Or my love has to be awakened. And what is the spring season? The spring season is a time where nature is awakened. And where the winter is over. And where something rises within you. And you see, in our lives, there has to be an awakening. Every revival doesn't come to a great preacher. Every revival has to be awakened. An intensity, desire, and longing of men and women who are awakened for purpose and destiny. Now, I realize when you look at this, the angel tells them, John means a gift of life. A gift. God is giving us a gift of life. Imagine what life means. What the devil does, he wants us to have a religious existence, but we don't know how to live. Because what takes our life? Fears. And what happened is the church has become a more, a more what would you say, um, average. Average. We, we average. We Pray average prayer. Our desires are average. It's, it's just we know him as a savior, but we have the same desires as the sinners out there. No other desires. What well, has natural desires which are good? Desire to be loved, desire to food, desires to be understood, desires for intimacy, desires. Great. But what about what will the spirit do? How does he do that? How is he awakening the people? Look at people's lives. How is he awakening in a Paul and a Peter? How is he awakening a Chamberlain and a Bonhoeffer? 
man of extraordinary power. Only because they know how to yield in this time. Now, Herod means the glorifier of the skin. Herod. Now, Herod was reigning for about 37 years. He killed many, many people in the time. He glorifier of the skin. It was Herod who killed the babies. Herod, who was there, and he wanted to find out. He wanted to keep his power and his political power and his influence in his life. And here Jesus awakens. The spirit comes up on. And he says, you're going to be dumb. Now it's interesting to see, when you see what happened in the same time, God is using the old and the young together in this day. I can see many times we don't know how to mix these things. You go to some churches, they're just young, young and some churches, they're just old. Now you go to Germany, they don't know what to do with old people. They don't think old people shouldn't be in ministry. Old people doesn't have anything to give anymore. Now, some reason is right, because many old people are set in their ways. They don't have anything to give. They are so set in their way. You look at it today, we have lost whole generations of mothers and fathers who have not inspired anything. You look at old people today and you think, my God, I don't want to get there. I don't want to be like that. I mean, we pray for people today. Many of our peoples have died. And I think, how is it that many people who served the globe 30 years, they die in despair and depression. Sitting in an old folks' home, nobody visiting. Die, they served God for 30 years. And they're totally depressed. They have nothing to live. They just want to die. Not because they embrace death. There's nothing to live for anymore. You say, how could that be? And I realize how God has to stir us together to awaken who you are and what you are. You know how many of us have giftings within us, but we cannot give it. Because we don't know how to give it out. We don't know how to release the things who are within us. Because we're cocoons. And cocoons are inverted, not outward. Now, I realize that when the Lord comes to Mary, now it says in the six months of the angel of Gabriel, was sent from God to the city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph and of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary. Now do you ever think about what kind of girl? They think Mary was 12 to 14 years old. What kind of girl God would choose? Now, Amazing what he says. He says to her, you are highly favored of the Lord. Now you realize a 12 to 14 year old girl in that day had no social standing. She was absolutely not favored. There was no favor for that girl at all. And yet, what the Lord say to Mary? You are highly favored of the Lord. There's something come. The same sentence that he said to Gideon. You see, Gideon, who felt like a nothing, he said, when did we see miracles, and when did we see signs, and when did we see power? 
And the angel came and he said the same thing. He said, you are highly favored of the Lord. Now what has happened when favor comes up on you? You know what favor does? It changes your self-worth. If you don't have any favor, you will never know really what healthy self-worth is. And so many of us, we don't know how to judge ourselves rightly. We get depressed or proud. If you're not depressed, then we get proud. And when we get gifted, then we get proud. And we don't know how to be gifted and humble. And we don't know that we don't know that. We cannot know the favor of the Lord. Because the favor of the Lord makes you fat. Makes your soul fat. Makes you rich. Makes you able to stand in dry times. To eat of that fat. To eat of that riches. To eat of that strength. You know how many pastors are falling this day? Men we know throughout the years spiritual men and women who have struggled and poured out their life for God for years and in the end of their life after serving the Lord they've fallen why? because they didn't know how to eat of that fat of the sweetness they needed to look for something to fill their soul and to fill their life and to fill their, their purpose now I realize Mary, you know, when I think of Mary, you know what the name Mary means? Come from Miriam. Bitterness. Bitterness. Now, every mirror in all our life, it's not your attitude which makes you favor. It's bitterness. All of us struggle with bitterness in our life. All of us. That's why the Lord says, pull out the root of bitterness. Now, how do you deal with your bitterness? In my bitterness, she... Imagine in those days to be a girl. In those days, it was better. No social favor. Being nobody and nothing. You know what it feels like when you feel like nothing. And you have no influence. You have no power. You're a victim of circumstances and situations in your life, in my life. Now, bitterness, what did the Lord, he says to this bitter girl, virgin, pure in heart. You see, what happens, what the Lord does, he uses, he takes our innocence and he makes us more pure. Many of us, our innocence has been stolen. Today, what happens, maturity of men and women are crippled because the devil does what? Takes your innocence. You know how the sex traits and these things today? They have much greater effect than just the pleasure of man. It has affects the development of nations and generations. It affects our future. Because it takes away the ability to grow, to become wives, mothers, sisters. Because the innocence has been taken from little children who have to grow and develop. And that's what the devil does. Now what's innocent? Innocent is that you have no knowledge of evil. You, can we protect our kids from evil? Now, as soon as an innocent child eats of evil, so search, 
When you vape in Christ and you eat of evil and the devil comes and he comes and he uses your brother, he uses your sister, and what happens? He takes away your innocence in church and you become bitter. Now, how do I become pure? The Lord says not that the innocents are going to see the Lord. It's a pure. Now, you can lose your innocence and still become pure. Because purity comes to fire. Purity comes to process. Purity is sifted. You buy it. You pay a price for purity. Nobody can steal purity from you. It's just a pure in heart. Shall see God. Now, I look at Mary, and I think to myself, what kind of girl was she been? Imagine, in a society, he said, oh, you have found favor with the Lord. Now the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And this which is born of you shall be the Son of God. Imagine that. The Holy Spirit comes up on you to birth. Well, what she say? All thou says, I will do. The beginning of greatness. All thou says, I will do. What? What she have to do? Birth. All she needs to do is birth. Birth. Doesn't matter what people said. Birth, purpose, destiny, deliverer, purpose of God in our life. All thou says I will do. Favor. Now you know what really what I really see here, what what I love so much. Uh, in verse thirty nine. Verse thirty eight she says, and Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed unto her. May it be done to me according to your word. Now let's face it. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you and overshadows you. And he comes and overshadows your life. And you fight against it. You're in trouble. And you know how many of us think the Holy Spirit is a servant. But the Holy Spirit is truth. The Holy Spirit teaches me how to please Jesus. The Holy Spirit prepares me how to have the right fruit. How to walk in a supernatural life in a natural environment. And when you look at your life you can realize how many of you had had supernatural experience in your life. But you forget. Because the pressures of life come upon you. And before you know it, you've forgotten what God has done yesterday. And time comes between you. Now, what did the book of Joel say? He said, I'm going to restore to you the years, the time. The canker worm and locust has eaten. Now, how is he restoring these years the devil has taken from you? In abundance. He gives you abundance. That's how he restores. 
He restores the time. You forget suddenly your hunger. You forget your famine. You forget because God teaches me what? Abundance. Now abundance is not excess. Abundance is that you can eat and not in excess. You understand? And abundance is in flow. And abundance is not just keeping your food in the cupboard and hiding it in the fridge and having it in the bank. Now, I know many of God's people, they've been so worried for the future. They never lived. And today they're not living anymore. I remember a good friend of ours, all of ours, loved her. Traveled with us many, many places. Vivacious woman. But on the end of her life, before she, the Lord took her, she was consumed with worrying about what her life would do tomorrow. And she couldn't even live really how she could have lived. I said to her, buy a new car. Her car almost fell apart. Oh no, I don't know. I need the money maybe tomorrow. And she just dropped that like that. Now her kids today, they live with her benefits. They think they don't have to work. Their life incidents. Now what happens, what happens with God's people if we become hoarders? We don't have the supernatural. The Holy Spirit cannot function. The Holy Spirit cannot flow. Now I'm not talking about money I'm talking about a life, a gifting, a flow of God moves in our life. Now, you know, as I read this word here, what I like. Now, this time, it says, as Mary came into the house of Zacharias. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and blessed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how it had happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ear, the baby leaped in my womb. Now imagine that. Here's Elizabeth pregnant and here comes Mary And the baby leaps in what? In Elizabeth's womb by the greetings of Mary. And she prophesies. Because the Holy Spirit gives you a voice. He has to, the Holy Spirit wants to declare the miracles of God. That's why we all need to seek tongues and prophecy. We must. Because God needs to declare the things of the Lord. You know what some of the preachers say? They say, preaching is so important. I'm going to speak one day on it. Preaching, the sound is so important. It's a matter of the church is empty. The sound moving in the atmosphere. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. Then the sound is so important because that's why when we speak what the Lord says, He listens what we say. He writes it in the book of memory. Because the sound, what I say, is so important. And you know, you can be, think you're positive, but if you speak always negative, 
you don't release the Spirit in your life. Now, I don't know if you all are filled with the Spirit. It's an encounter. It's not something you imagine or something you think. It's something you desire. Something you long for. I remember when we used to evangelize in India. We would preach for one week and at the end of the campaign we would pray for the Holy Spirit to fall upon the people. And we would have huge masses of people who were baptized in the Holy Spirit with signs and miracles and wonder. Now you remember in the 80s when this move of the Spirit was. Now today it's kind of under the cover. It's, you know, something we take for granted. But it's not evident. We're just happy with good ministry and with good preaching and with good books. And religion has become entertainment, but not a flow of life. And I realize today as God is calling a nation out of the nation, how are we going to flow as 